0: Good morning. How's everyone? Good. Glad you're inside instead of outside. Yeah? It's cold out there. Hey, my name's Eric. If you haven't got to know me, I'd love to get to know you and uh, offer you a gift or uh, answer any questions you might have about the church. We uh, can meet me out in the Welcome Center out there uh, to answer any questions, or you can snap the Q- QR code in front of you. Hit I'm new and uh, help us connect to you. Um, or online. You can snap that. Also, you can hit the prayer request in there. We'd love to pray for you or walk with you. Uh, reminder, next time I'll see you will be Christmas Eve. Um, our service times will be at 3, four thirty, and 6. And uh, also reminder, there's a church that meets here on Sunday nights called Living Grace. They'll be joining us, and we're excited about that. So just make sure you make uh, allotment for time and parking and all that fun stuff. And then also January 2nd, remember, uh, we are moving our service times to 8:30 and 10, and the 10 o'clock will be the children's ministry and connection classes for the adults and youth. Uh, so just make sure you mark that. And then uh, last thing is just prayerfully consider us as your end of year giving. If God so moves your heart, uh, just to pray about that is December's our biggest month um, that we rely on to, to set our budget to do ministry and uh, to equip the saints for the glory of God. So we just ask that you prayerfully consider us. And then how many of you guys were able to make it at 9.30 to see the children? Yeah, awesome. It was really cool if you have a chance. It was really, really fun. It was great to see the kids and just see the, uh, the way they told the, the story of Jesus. and Lots of fun. So thank you if you volunteered in that or your children in that. Um, we were just blessed by that. And so uh, that was our privilege. Also, we have Christmas cards for you from the pastors on the way out. So, uh, yeah, I think that covers it. Romans 14, you guys ready? Yeah? No, you're not? Okay. Yeah, you are? Well, here's something that maybe is comforting. Uh, maybe you weren't ready, but God was ready, uh, because we we put these sermon schedules together uh, months in advance. This one was actually about a year and a half out. We planned it, and so to think that, that this was on the calendar, and it just so happened that we would go through, you know, the government and not fighting with each other right now, right? Can you imagine that? And so God, I think, it's funny in its timing, and so what we're going to do here is just continue on and look at chapter 14 and just allow God to challenge our hearts uh, because it's a very opportunistic time to think about uh, how do we treat other people. We're going to be around a lot of people during this time, aren't we? And so uh, what better way to go into this season than with God's Word directly tying to us and giving us uh, wisdom and direction and how to navigate it. So I'm going to pray, uh, and then we'll start. God, we love you, and we thank you that your word is timely. Uh, We know it never comes back void. Um, uh, We just praise you for the way you teach us in relevant ways that you instruct us, that we don't have to wonder, we don't have to guess, we don't have to be confused. And so it's our prayer that we just kind of put aside maybe anything pressing in our hearts, pressing in our mind, um, worrying us, causing us to fret, and just focus on your words Um, write them down, memorize them, put them around our heart and and focus on just being obedient and trusting you and loving you. And so we just pray that you would speak to us, help us love you, and help it uh, be your words and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so just a reminder, Romans is one of those books that people love to chop up. And so they'll take a verse here, a verse there, or maybe a passage there, And, and really to feel the full weight of Romans, we always have to keep it in context of the other chapters. And so just to kind of help us set the tone and see the full weight of what's going on, is we, when we think of our Roman setting, is you have Jews and Gentiles that were fighting, and they were fighting so much so um, that the emperor had kicked them out of Rome because of the turmoil they were causing. And so essentially you have Jews that are becoming Christians, Messianic Jews, Gentiles becoming Christians, and they're fighting about things, From their past, Uh, you have Jews fighting about Old Testament law and rituals and and things they were, and you have pagans fighting over things that are part of pagan worship and their freedoms and these things. So you have these Christians put together under high stress and they're fighting. And so God's bringing them together. Uh, When you look 9 through 11, He talks about, look, this is who I am. I'm the potter, you're the clay. I don't need your help, I don't need your advice you need to be a living sacrifice. You need to love each other. You're going to have governing authorities. They're there for a reason. God has ordained it. Quit trying to fight it and love each other and be at peace with each other. And so that's kind of the tension he gives. Isn't that a timely thing for us, don't you think? I guess not just me. So, you, but seriously, it really is. That's not a new tension, And when you look at what he's getting at, I mean, last week he even talked about He's like, look, your time is drawing near. Jesus will come back. Time is a gift. Do not spoil it on things that don't matter. We will give an account before the Lord for how we used our time. Therefore, use your time in this way. So that he comes off now in 14 because he talked about love and unity and all these things. Now he's going to get down to nitty gritty. What does it look like to love your neighbor? What does it look like to sacrifice? What does it look like to um, truly love in a meaningful and powerful way? So we're going to look at three ways you can love your brother. We're going to look at don't quarrel over opinions, don't judge people's opinions, and don't be a stumbling block. So let's hop in here in verse 1 of chapter 14. It says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, um, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So he starts off with, hey, don't fight over opinions. But before we go there, it's, it's really easy to look at, hey, the weak person eats vegetables and laugh at them, right? Because that's kind of our tendency. You can laugh, it's okay, right? That, that, to look at, hey, they're weak and I'm strong. And in our culture, we've kind of equated weakness to being less than and being really strong to being more than. Um, but in the Bible, it's not communicating a value judgment. It's saying, if you're weak, you need help. How do we know this? Paul calls himself weak in 2 Corinthians, doesn't he? He says that he has this thorn in the flesh, and he's prayed, and God won't take it out. And so Jesus' response to him is, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I'll boast of my weakness. So if Paul had weakness, is this necessarily a devaluing thing? No. It's just communicating, I need help with this thing. And so it's really important that we realize we're all going to need help in some way, shape, or form. And what this is getting at is there's going to be brothers and sisters in Christ who struggle to either make more of what God says than actually has said, or they're going to make less of what God actually has said. And it's important that we, if we're going to fight, we fight over the things that matter, that God actually said, and we don't fight over opinions. Okay. And so now we start to think, And and people in weakness, yeah, they're people that need help, but they're also people that have a background and to be sympathetic towards that. If you're a Jew that became a Christian, you spent most of your life living by these rules and and all of these rules mattered. And and they, in their mind, you know, they're trying to earn their salvation. They're trying to get the, the good to outweigh the bad. That was never the purpose of the law, right? The law was given that we could see we need a savior. We can't keep it. We need help. But instead, they used it as a measuring stick to go, look at me, look at me, look at me. Now that reads into their Christianity, and they're afraid to, you know, eat bacon or have a drink or certain things the Bible doesn't say are wrong. And so they're struggling with that. And what it's drawing our awareness to is there's going to be Christians, maybe because of their past, uh, they have a hard time, and they want to make things more than they are. And we need to be sympathetic to that, not fight over it, not look down on them, and to spend our time helping them grow in their faith. So to, to look through this is, is to say, you know what? We never know what someone's being raised out of. Did they come from another religion? Did they have crazy parents? Did they have no religious upbringing? Did they, were they never taught the Bible? And, and to be sensitive, to help them see this is actually what the Bible says. Now, the next part is an opinion. An opinion isn't like, hey, I like pizza over hamburgers, right? An opinion is something that's well-reasoned, well thought out, and you actually have some type of logical progression to say, this is my opinion. So, you know, if you're a Gentile, you would say, hey, when we were pagans, we did this. We've now come. This is what God is like. It's like, no, that's not what God is like, but it makes sense why you would think that because that's your background and why you would hold on to the law. That's your background. So it has some form of reason. So what's hard is in our culture, the way we've kind of taken this passage is, you can make all of the Bible an opinion. That's your opinion. That's your opinion. So the foundational piece here is, we have to all agree, God's Word is the absolute truth and guide of our life. Okay, is that true? If that's true, then that's where we take our cues. That's what's absolute. What's not written, that's where opinion gets in. Because if we try to get into a fight with someone, it's like, hey, what role does the Bible play in your life? I don't believe it at all. Well, Let's fight about what it says. They don't believe it's true. Do you see how that wouldn't be profitable? Yeah, three of us are tracking. Okay, that's okay. Well, it'll make more sense as we keep going. Um, But for the Christian, it's like, yes, we do agree. Okay, hey, could you show me where it says that? And instead of fighting with them and judging them, help to understand maybe there's a context, maybe there's something there. The other I- extreme of this is that we take Scripture and make it an opinion. And we see that in our culture. that You know, there used to be an agreement in our culture that going to church was a good thing. You remember those days? You might be too young for that. You're not as old as me. See, there you go. Okay, right? And it actually was. And then it, was, then it kind of shifted into going to church. You know, if that's good for you, it's good for you. Now it's like, you're a Christian? That's terrible. You see how that's progressed? It, it went from a, yes, that's a good thing and absolute to now, that's a terrible thing. It's shifted. Uh, what used to be true that marriage is a good thing, oh, that, now that's a terrible thing. It's an optional thing. Marriage between a man and a woman, that used to be standard. And so it's very important that we don't take what Scripture teaches clearly and turn it into an opinion and then use this verse to say, don't argue about my opinion." The Bible is very clear in some areas, isn't it? The Bible is very clear that marriage is between a man and a woman. That marriage should be handled a certain way between husband and wife. That the kids should be treated a certain way. That the family structure is important. The Bible speaks to these things, doesn't it? That's not an opinion. God created them male and female. That is not an opinion. That's Genesis chapters 1-3. through Drugs are illegal, right? They're wrong. Getting drunk is wrong. Cursing, swearing, and being belligerent is wrong. The Bible is very clear in these things, isn't it? Abortion is a sin, okay? So when it says an opinion, it's not saying that we get to come in and and now make an opinion about which parts of the Bible we think are true or not. The foundational truth is God's word is absolute, it is true, but there's these other things, that we're reading into the Bible and calling them true, such things as politics, right? That if you're a Christian, you'd vote this way. Health issues, school system issues, uh, issues of where you live in, geography, all these things. These Well, this is what God would do. This is what Jesus would do. And we spiritualize our opinions and make them absolutes. That's a problem. Okay, That's what he's getting at is, There's going to be these things where the Bible just doesn't speak, doesn't mention Democrat or Republican, does it? So it's saying, you know what? There's going to be some people that maybe feel really strong about these things. Uh, I mean, look at it. He gets down here in three. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. What's he saying? Look, there's going to be someone who looks at certain days and says, man, these days are so important. And for the Christian, what he's saying is, do not despise them. Do not despise them. That's becoming a harder and harder thing, isn't it? But when we make absolutes of our opinions, and then we beat people that don't agree with our opinions that we call facts, it becomes a problem. Part of this problem is the mistake between what's a fact and what's an opinion. What we're saying for this is helpful is God's word is factual and our opinions are just that. They're well-reasoned things, but they're not things to get angry at people about. There's more important things in life than hating someone because they don't agree with your certain position that you've created. That's a pretty big deal, don't you think? That we wouldn't despise someone because they have a different opinion. And the Bible's going to take it a step further and say, that person's struggling. They're really locked into that. You know, rather than fight them and cause them to go further down the trail, love them. Encourage them in their faith. You who are stronger, you're not wrestling that out. You know, hey, let's go to the scripture. What does the Bible say about that? Because you're trying to help that person not worry. You're trying to help that person not live in fear. You're trying to help that person not make a salvation issue out of something that's not a salvation issue. Rather than hating them, demoralizing them and trying to force your opinion because theirs is an opinion as well and make them feel like they're less than you this is huge going into christmas don't you think then you again this ties back to earlier chapters like you're going to see in here look verse 12 you're going to give an account to god back into chapter 13 jesus is coming be ready the day draw near So with your time, know you will give an account. Christ is coming back. Don't fight about dumb things. Don't fight about it. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help them. And it's definitely not going to help Christ coming back. R.C. Sproul has a good quote. He says, as God receives us by grace, we must receive one another by grace. Love covers a multitude of sins and a multitude of misunderstandings and weak theology. You need to tell yourself that every day between now and Christmas because you're going to get all three of those at your table. Sins, misunderstandings, and weak theology. And what the Bible says is we're to be patient, we're to love them, and we're to encourage them. Because there's going to be plenty of times when we have to toe the line and fight where the Bible fights and speak where the Bible speaks. We're to not waste our efforts fighting on things that God never mentions and God Never put in here. And so when we make opinions, facts, and facts, opinions, we get all over the place. So it's really important maybe to start thinking through. There are things that I have made a fact that actually aren't in the Bible. Like check yourself on the things you're passionate about. Why I say that? When we're passionate about things, it's almost as if we think God himself is speaking. You know people who argue like that? Everything is as if God has said it himself. You guys know what I'm talking about? So the question is, did God himself say that? Because sometimes it was VeggieTales, right? It wasn't your Bible. Sometimes it was social media. Sometimes it was the flannel graph in the Sunday school teacher that, that meant well, but didn't go to the text well. Okay. So to start really challenging our own motives and our own thoughts that, wow, is that really in scripture? Because I get, I get really heated about that. And I don't want to be someone who's making an opinion and turning it into an absolute, to a truth that God never made. So that's step one. Step two would be to how do I approach other people? Take what they're saying. Okay, Is there any merit? Is it in the Bible? Is it there? Okay, Don't see it in the Bible. Now, rather than drop the hammer, ask the question, could you help me maybe, like, where do you see that in the Bible? You're really passionate about that and just starts trying to separate feelings from facts. See, part of the problem on why we, you ever wonder why we have such strong feelings about things that aren't absolute? It's because our identity gets wrapped up in our opinions. Our identity gets wrapped up in the things that are not of God. Our identity gets wrapped up in, in being an American, a Californian, um, your profession, a parent, uh, your political position. And it gets so wrapped up, so when someone attacks it, you feel attacked because you are tied to that position. Instead of being tied to child of God, sinner saved by grace, citizen of heaven, not citizen of earth. Because when we're tied to that identity, we don't really care if the things in the other world fall apart. Does that make sense to us? Okay. So you have to wrap your mind around have my feelings become facts, and why? And what am I passionate about, and why? And where do I find that? Because there will come a time when we have to toe the line and say, no, Jesus is the only way to God. This is what the Bible says about marriage. This is what the Bible says about being a parent. The Bible says about money. The Bible says about drunkenness. That's offensive enough, isn't it? Isn't it? Does this go over easy at your guys' table? Doesn't it mind? These are like, you say it and you duck, right? And you're like, oh man, it's coming. Saying that's going to be hard enough. Don't fight over the things that God never calls truth. Now, the other part of this is we need to check ourselves. Are there things that God does call truth that we don't? Do we look at what he says about marriage and say, oh, that's, that was then, not now? what he says about how to treat people. Oh, that was then, not now. The Bible is old and ancient. The Bible has something to say about that, okay? Isaiah 5, 20 through 21. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, right? When we say something's not a sin that the Bible calls sin, it says, woe to you uh, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Saying, woe to the person who thinks they can pick and choose what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say. And make absolutes and non-absolutes based on their feelings, based on how they think culture should be, and that the Bible should somehow match their feelings. That's dangerous, isn't it? That's why the Bible says, woe to you who do that. Because of the things that God stands on, we're to stand on those things. Because the Bible does make very specific declarations this type of person does not go to heaven. Right. And we don't get to reinterpret that and say, well, that doesn't seem nice to me. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12. It says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Right. These people will not go to heaven. Straightforward? Yeah? Okay. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, Nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Straightforward, isn't it? And so to change the word of God and say, well, God doesn't care about that. That's just your opinion. No, that's not my opinion. That's what the word of God says. Do we see the difference? So there's going to be times when we have to toe this line. This is what God says about salvation. Not me, right? He's the judge. We'll get there in the the outline. Verse 11, and such were some of you. See, God allows forgiveness, right? Were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God, right? We were those things. We are a new identity, new creation, child of God, We are no longer those things. So God offers redemption, but he does say, this is sin. And when we sin and we don't change, you do not go to heaven. That's a big enough stumbling block. Would we agree? He's saying you need to save your fight for that. Because that's the fight that's going to hurt. And that's the fight that matters. Time is short. You don't know when Christ is coming back. Be a living sacrifice, God. I will stand on whatever you ask me to stand, and I will love and help and serve whoever you need me to serve. It's not about my kingdom, my politics, my agenda. If you need me to help, I will help. And if I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight on the things of God the character of God, the nature of God, the nature of Jesus, the character of Jesus, humanity. What is our nature? What is it? What about the Bible? What about uh, the Holy Spirit? These are the things. God's made clear. Say, so if you change that, then, then yes, I will stand. But as far as opinions, we're not going to fight about those things. I'll sacrifice my freedoms. That's why it gets into now. Don't judge people's opinion, okay? Hop down here in chapter 14 on verse 13. It says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block block." Or hindrance in the way of a brother. So, what's the difference between judging the person and judging the position? When you say, Oh, wow, you're an idiot, that's judging the person. We see that? That's different than saying, I disagree with your position. That's saying, I disagree with what you've stated. And what our culture wants to say is, if you've disagreed with my position, you've disagreed with me. Again, that gets back to our identity. Our identity is in Christ, and you can disagree with these things. It doesn't change me. It doesn't devalue me. Part of that's us understanding it, but part of it's us communicating in a way that's not devaluing the person. There's going to be people that disagree with us, and we don't want to treat them differently, especially Christians. This is what he's getting at. Look, yes, you're a Jew. Yes, you're a Gentile but you have more in common in Christ than you have not in common by the way you grew up, by the traditions that you hold. So don't beat each other up. Don't think you're better than them, smarter than them. And this is really what he's getting at. So He kind of created this, you know, I'm a level five Christian, you're a level three Christian because you still struggle over here and I don't. He's saying, stop passing judgment on people like that. We can't hate Christians because of their political position, their school position, their healthcare position, whatever it is. He's like, may that never be. And there might be people that are really wrestling and struggling. Saying, Don't hate them. Don't despise them. Don't put them down. Don't make them less than you. Help these people out. Help them not sin. Help them see their freedom in Christ. Pray for them. And if if it be, sacrifice your own freedom so that they won't sin. If we're going to make use of our time, he's saying, help Christians not sin. Help Christians love Jesus. And if you're going to fight, fight for the things of Christ and his word and his son. These are the things you fight on. So we can't look down on these people. So imagine you have a Gentile and he's dining with a Jew. They're both Christians now. And he has bacon on the table with eggs. And the, and the Jew freaks out. Right, So it's on the Gentile not to go, you're so dumb, I can't believe you still look at the Old Testament like that. Saying that's that's mean, it's rude, and now you're, now you're attacking them. He's saying, you know what, we don't need to eat bacon, and I love bacon, right? Like just, we're going to take that away, we'll eat what we can, because I don't want to do something that's going to cause you To stumble, misunderstanding scripture, still struggling. You gotta think, if you grew up 30, 40 years of that, that would be hard to get out of your mind, wouldn't it? Absolutely. He's saying, you know what? You have someone over to your house, you go for the bottle of wine, and they go, oh my gosh, I can't believe you do that. Like, oh wow, I'm so sorry. You don't know if they come from, in, in the passage, it'd be a pagan background, but what if they were an alcoholic? What if someone in their family died from alcohol? What if someone they know really struggles so they get in the habit of not? He's saying, don't sit there, pull, pull out the bottom, like I'm gonna drink it and I'm not sinning, ha ha ha. That doesn't seem very nice, does it? The pastor's saying you've now ruined your opportunity to talk about Christ. You've ruined your ability to be the stronger Christian for them. You've ruined your witness and you're making bad use of your time, and you're being a bad brother or sister in Christ. Do not judge people in their struggle. Help people in their struggle. That's why he makes it very clear. Look, God will judge, right? Go into 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. God's going to judge. We don't need to be the judge. We need to help people out. Now, if they're doing something against Scripture, we can say, hey, look, Scripture tells us not to do that. But you start looking at it like, why do we think this happens? I think this happens because we confuse Orthodoxy with orthopraxy, right? those are weird words, right? Doctrine versus practice. Right? You, what we'll see in the church world is that people will make the practice of the church doctrine, and they'll make the doctrine of the church optional. What do I mean? If you grew up in church long enough, you guys remember when drums were introduced to the church, right? It was like Satan himself had entered the church. People freaked out. Seriously. And then the guitar, the guitar came and it was like, oh my gosh. And then an amplifier came and it was like, Satan's running the church. Everybody leave. That's the orthopraxy. That's the practice of the church. The practice will always change, right? You're going to have different cultures and times and buildings and seats and robes and not robes and instruments. There's no part of the Bible that says you can't have a guitar on stage, Right? But the doctrines never change. Who is Christ? Who is the Bible? Who is man? We're sinners. We need grace. We need faith. And when we make the church about orthopraxy, the practice, and then we judge people, saying, man, don't do that. God will judge. That's not our place. And then we beat people up and say, see, I'm better than you. You know, I only listen to hymns which, by the way, were written from bar songs. I don't know if you knew that. Martin Luther took a lot of those hymns from bar songs. And people would say, oh, that's worldly Christian music. Well, where do you think they got the hymns from? Right? And they make absolutes out of it. You know, you can only read the King James Bible. You read anything else, you're going to hell. Really? Where does it say that? Right? But these are some of the things that people, they get stuck in their mind. And I say, don't judge them. As the person who's stuck on it, don't judge them who aren't. And you, don't judge them. Help them out. I don't see that in the Bible. I think we can chill out and we can actually come to church. You know, part of it is don't judge people when they come to church. Just because people come to church a hot mess doesn't mean we should judge them. Are we acting like that doesn't happen? Come on. I see the faces. You see a kid unruly like, oh my gosh, you believe that kid. He believed their hair's not done. Look at how they're dressed. Oh my gosh, they're fighting. You know, we fought at home before we got here, but when we got here, we were nice, right? We're, we, how dare they? They're a level three Christian and we're at least a six, honey. Look at us. We do our fighting in private, right? Like, come on. But this is the judgment. You've made an absolute out of it and said good Christians look like this and they do this and they do that and it's nowhere in the Bible and we put ourselves above and then we look down, and then we don't hang out, and we ignore, and we don't love. The Bible says that's bad. It's really, really bad. God will judge. Let him be the judge. Try to help the brother, help the sister in Christ. Understand God loves you. Here's what his word actually says. You know, if that means we can't go to the beach, that's fine. If we can't watch sports because that brings sin into your life, if we can't, you know, go to a bar, if we can't you know, whatever that is, if we can't do that, that's okay. I care more about being with you than exercising my freedom. That's huge, isn't it? Especially in an American context, you're saying, you know what? My American freedoms aren't as big and important as my biblical commitment to my brother and sister in Christ. Isn't that a big deal? That's what he's trying to get at. He's like, look, there's people and they're struggling. And rather than judging them and fighting with them, you need to love them. Be strong for them. Be an example to them. Let's pick it up here in 14, uh, 17 through 19. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Those are good things, aren't they? Saying if you're so busy fighting over opinions, you're going to miss being right with God, being at peace with people, and having joy in the Holy Spirit. Aren't those things you want to experience during Christmas? You're saying then don't fight about opinions and don't judge people based on things that God never even talks about. God is the judge. He'll judge them. He'll judge us. We will give an account. Focus on Christ. Focus on your joy. Focus on peace. Focus on being right with God. Eighteen. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. 19. So let so then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Isn't that a timely verse? You're gonna have people over at your house. What makes peace? What builds up? Don't start launching your arguments to beat people down over opinions and call them truths in the name of Jesus so you feel more spiritual than your neighbor. It's like, that's not going to get you anywhere. That's why this chunk of scripture is very specific. 13, the day is near. Jesus is coming back. God will judge. Love your neighbor. Don't fight with them. Help them. Point three now, don't be a stumbling block to them. When we say, I can do whatever I want in Christ and you can't stop me, you're being a stumbling block. They're trying to figure out, how, how could a Christian eat bacon? I don't understand that. Like, that's wrong. And they're and then they're, you're sinning and that's making me want to sin. Saying, you know what? I don't, I don't love bacon more than I love you. And, and I love Christ. I can say no to those things. I can refuse those freedoms in order to help you not stumble. Right. When I was around my, my King James only friends, we read the King James. Why? Because I wasn't going to fight with them. And we already know we disagree. We're not going to fight with people about, oh, is Christian music worldly. I'm not going to try to convince you. Right? We're just, hey, we're around you. We listen to him. That's fine. We don't need to fight about those things. There's too many serious things that we need to fight for. Like when someone says Jesus isn't the son of God. That's worth fighting for, isn't it? Absolutely, in a biblical, appropriate way, not in a devaluing way. In a, hey, this is what the Bible says. This this is who Christ says he is. And what's what's interesting is there's there's two commandments that we oversimplify. We already talked about just love your neighbor. Love God, love people. The oversimplification of love people is that it also includes not sinning against your neighbor, not gossiping, not slandering, not trying to steal their wife or their husband, not trying to steal their things, forgiving them, not withholding forgiveness, right? It takes these active things. Well, well, loving God, that's loving the things he loves, right? That's standing on what he stands for. And when it comes to salvation, you know, sinners saved by grace, there's so many pieces to salvation, and Jesus makes it very clear that He's the cornerstone that the builders rejected. He will be a stumbling block to unbelievers because they won't want to change, to deny themselves, to give up their life. So we're gonna put some just some points on the screen. I want you to see, these are the things, you know, these are the things you stand for. These are elements of salvation. It's by no means is it exhaustive, but these are things that help you. Okay, this is when we need to come ready to talk. Where does the Bible? say about this? Where does the Bible address this? Because these things matter. If you want, get out your camera, take a picture. It's on two slides. First service wasn't as spiritual as you guys. They didn't take pictures. You guys were way more, so you're going to, right? Yeah. So we can look at this and just kind of remember, right? The, the, the human depravity, the nature of people. That's huge, because if we don't have a sin nature, we don't need Christ, right? Christ's virgin birth, that matters. Christ's sinlessness, that matters. His deity, His humanity, God's unity, God's tri-unity, the necessity of God's grace, the necessity of faith. Christ's atoning death. Christ's bodily resurrection. Christ's bodily ascension. Christ's present high priestly intercession. Christ's second coming, final judgment, heaven, hell, and reign in his kingdom. All of those are necessary. Okay, There's plenty to fight about, isn't there? Okay, There's plenty to fight about, plenty for us to stand on, but those are things you can actually find in Scripture. True? Okay. What? I'm not controlling it, so. Okay, yeah. We could go back one slide. See, I told you guys were more spiritual. You're like, we got to get that written down, right? We got to get that memorized, locked in. Appreciate that. So uh, to to think through, there are things that we're going to have to lock in because Scripture is very clear. And again, if 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 you're talking with someone, it's an important question to say, do you find the Bible is the author, the absolute beginning and end? It is the guide of our life. It is God's very words. If we're on the same page with that, let's go to Scripture. This is what it says. If not, that argument, I mean, why have the argument? You need to talk about who is Christ? Are you going to heaven? Or are you going to hell? That's the more important conversation because we don't know if they're a Christian. Is that fair? And see, so he's walking through this. So when it comes to God's Word, yes, absolutely. We stand, we stand firm, and it's a stumbling block. It says it will be. But as far as opinions, we kind of got to ramp that down and realize, it's not about right and wrong. It's about profitable. It's about helping people who are struggling. It's about seeing, is this fruitful? Is this going to help, right? When you, when you look down here at verse uh, 19, does it pursue peace? Is it mutual for upbuilding? Some questions I have for you just to consider. You know, you're going into a time with family, and you might have some family with some very strong opinions. And I think it's, time, it's very wise for us to just sit through and ask ourselves some questions so that we're prepared going into conversations, right? So one would be, does it cause my weaker brother to stumble? Like, do you know if you say this, they're just going to dig in, get mad, fly off the handle? Would you call that stumbling? I would. So don't, don't poke the bear so you can watch it explode and go, ha, ha, ha. That's not loving, even though you enjoy it. I get it. It's fun to watch people get riled up sometimes, but God says, don't do that. So we don't do that, okay? Does it build up your weaker brother? Does it actually help them? Or are you just trying to embarrass them? So is what I'm I'm saying helpful, right? Does Does it bring me under its own power? And that's a very interesting question, right? Does it bring me under its own power? Meaning, is it something even you struggle with? that if you were to go down that rabbit trail, you start to get angry and you start to puff up and you start to clench your fist. Because if even you struggle with it, you probably shouldn't bring it up. Is that fair? Okay, Just, just think through these things. Fourth, does it glorify God? Is there a way to take this and say, praise God we have, praise God for his son, praise God for the church, praise God for his provision, praise God that he's allowed us to, Praise God, he's given us, right? Is there a way to to show that God's goodness and greatness within the conversation? And fifth, does it profit? What is it helping? Fruitless conversations, what he's getting at. Fruitless conversation, be very careful because those opinions turn into facts and those facts turn into wars. And then those wars turn into anger and bitterness. And then we lack forgiveness. And then all of a sudden Christ comes back and we're too busy fighting over things that are of the world and not of heaven. So the Bible's walking us through. He's telling these Jews and Gentiles, look, you live in a very important time. Right? There's going to be persecutions. There's going to be beatings. There's going to be crucifixions. You need to help each other through those things, not fight about laws and rules that aren't even in the Bible that God never holds us to. You need to stop judging each other, saying you're better than one another. Let God be the judge. Focus on upbuilding and peace so that you can help each other grow in your relationship with Jesus. You want to be able to be in a place that when that person really is struggling, they feel like they can talk to you because you've always tried to build them up, pray for them, love them, lead them towards Christ. They're not like, oh man, don't talk to them. They're going to beat me with a hammer because of where I stand on politics or health. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing that someone wouldn't talk to us about Christ because of our position on earthly things? Wouldn't that be terrible? Absolutely. So i am saying, you know what, gear up. We, we, have, we have family coming. We have people coming. Would it be weird to talk about Jesus during Christmas? No, it wouldn't, right? So why not talk about Jesus? What is he doing? How is he teaching you? How much you would love for the person in your family to know Christ, the way it's benefited you, right? Does it glorify God? Look at how he's changed me. Look at what he's done for me. Look at what's happening here. And you don't have to beat him with him, but you can graciously just share, like, man, I just, anything, I wish you knew Christ, and here's why, right? Couldn't that take the place of a crazy political or government or school system conversation? Like, if you're going to go crazy, go crazy for Jesus, right? Like, have the conversation in that vein. That's what he's getting at. Upbuilding. Pursue peace, right? Okay, some questions to ask ourselves as we, as we wind down. With whom do you struggle to get along? Whoever that is, start praying for them. Because it's the people you struggle with, you'll fight about anything with them, right? It's like the carpet's green. No, it's not. It's blue. You haven't even seen the carpet. I don't care, but I don't like you, right? So you're, you're already, you're ready. You know what I mean? People we don't get along with, the war's already there and it hasn't even been spoken. So who do you struggle with? Start praying now. Like focus on the main things. Focus on the Christ things. How can I lift them up? Okay. What friends do you have who disagree with you? This is an important question. If all your friends think just like you, you don't need them. You have yourself. True? Right? I don't I don't need to ask you. I'll just ask myself. Okay? Variety of opinion is what helps shape us. It's what helped make us more tender and sympathetic to other people. It's like, oh wow, I have a friend who was raised like that. Oh wow, I have a friend who's been through that. I have a friend who has that problem. So I, I understand what it's like how eating a cupcake could be sinful for you because you're you struggle with gluttony or or wine or we're going to the beach. Oh, I get it. I have friends like that, and so much more sympathetic and Christ-like, because we have relationships other than us, right? And if we're only looking for friends who agree with everything, man, we must really think highly of ourselves. Okay. Three. When do you struggle to not judge people? All right. So think about this. If you go to the mall, are you know like all your judge alerts are going to go off? Right. Someone said first service Kern County Fair. Right. Like wherever it is. Is there somewhere you're there and you're just like, oh, look at them, bad mom, bad dad, bad this? You just, you know that inside of you innately wants to judge. You start praying, you know what, God, I can't make value judgments about people that are nowhere found in the Bible. If they are a bad parent, God will take care of it. God doesn't need your advice. Is that fair? I mean, think about it. Start thinking through that. Break those habits. There's going to be places and environments where it just, Sadly, sometimes it's church. You see those kids running around the pews. They're terrible. Our kids never did that. We never had kids in church. That's beside the point, right? Like, you see what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. Where is that? And stop that. And how can you practice, like, letting God be the judge? It'll give us way more peace. And it'll help us focus on the things that matter. God will handle that. I don't need to. Four, is there something you call a sin that the Bible does not? Again, this gets into sometimes our traditions or people who come out of different religions before they become a Christian. There's certain things we hold on to. And it's like, oh, if we do that, we're sinning. We start praying, you know what? I, I need to start evaluating some things. And think, can, I, can I see that in the Bible? Can I prove that in the Bible? Because it's not in the Bible. I need to start letting it go. I need to stop pounding people, stop pounding myself. Stop living in fear, living in anxiety, because God doesn't call me to do that. The flip side of this is there's something God calls sin and you don't. Just think through it from drunkenness to to swearing to adultery to pornography to the, the the you know house of to marriage and the family. We're like, oh yeah, that's not a big deal. That's my opinion, that's the Bible's opinion. And you need to start going, you know what? The Bible says that I need to start figuring out how to accept that God said no, right? And and start being obedient. Be chapter 12, a living sacrifice. Die to that need and just accept what God says. And then five, how can you make sure you're living unto the Lord and not unto people? It's kind of just that evaluating system. You know, where in my life is it? I'm trying to please people, so I'm making absolutes out of the things people want versus no, no, no. This is what God wants, and I'm making absolutes out of what he wants. I'm looking to upbuild, right? To build people up, to pursue peace, to, to live in righteousness and to have joy in the Holy Spirit. Those are much greater things to live for, amen. And may we live for those things as we get closer and closer to heaven. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. And uh, we just praise you that your words it's it's direct. Yeah, we don't have to wonder and guess. And we thank you for that clarity. And God, we pray for the things that we don't find implicitly in scripture, that we wouldn't fight about those things. We wouldn't quarrel. We wouldn't judge. And it's okay to have strong opinions, um, but that we wouldn't let them be controlling opinions and controlling our behavior and controlling the way we look at other people and we wouldn't become judgmental based on those opinions, that we would be open-handed about the things of this world, willing to let them go, willing to let them be disagreed with. Um, Because when we get passionate and we fight, we want it to be for the things that are yours, for your word, your son, your church, your people, your glory. Those are the things we want to stand on. So help us live in peace, Help us live in joy and help us lift each other up for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.